0: And you're on right now with Jim Dawes, coming to you from the shores of the Indian River on Florida's beautiful Treasure Coast, and bringing you the news behind the news, the story behind the story, here to convince you that reality is usually scoffed at, and illusion is usually king. We're coming to you on the Mojo 5 Radio Network, and streaming live on iHeartRadio. Also available as a podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, and Spotify. And you can follow me on Twitter at right now Jim Dawes. I love to hear from listeners. You can shoot me an email. The address is rightnowjimdawes at gmail.com. And the voicemail is 772 The Event line is 772 772-245-0750. Always remember uh, if you're sending me an email or trying to find me on Twitter, the last name is spelled D-A-W-S. There's no E. There's a long story behind that. I'll tell it to you someday. But I want to start today's show by talking about um, uh, a critical subject to America First activists, and that is the, the censorship on social media. Uh, I was confronted with it. I think I was confronted with it again last night. Uh, I, uh, I'm a cord cutter. One of these people that, uh, has discontinued their cable TV and gets all of their, uh, news and entertainment on streaming services. And I've subscribed to YouTube TV, which, uh, probably wasn't the best idea to begin with to, uh, put another form of my information, uh, at the mercy of Google. Google owns YouTube and YouTube TV, you know. And uh, one of the shows or two of the shows I watch regularly are The Five uh, as we're winding down for the evening and getting ready for dinner. And uh, and then I watch The Great Tucker Carlson on Tucker Carlson's Tonight Show. And I noticed about two months ago that uh, the, th- both of those shows when I I first signed up for YouTube TV, were featured prominently in my menus because YouTube uh, decides what you watch and then they present that to you so you can get there easily. Well, about two months ago, uh, I I noticed that those shows were starting to be downranked and I would have to go deeper into the menus to find them. And then at uh, one point, uh, they were even hidden. I wouldn't be able to find them on the regular menus. I would have to go deep in my own... um, uh, DVRs, uh, to, to get to them. And last night, uh, this is the second time this has happened. As a matter of fact, both of those shows would not stream live. They were not available to me until, uh, after the live broadcast had ended. And, uh, you know, I, I thought the first time it happened, well, it was just an anomaly, but now I'm starting to wonder, if, if they're not actively in the run-up to the 2020 election, deciding that uh, they're going to make it difficult for people to get the information, especially off of Tucker Carlson tonight. Tucker Carlson is probably the most articulate and insightful commentator on uh, what's, what's going on in our politics and, and in current events. And, and he always comes from sort of a dissident Perspective, the, the opinions you hear on Tucker Carlson tonight, you will not hear uh, as, uh, as well presented and as insightful as he does anywhere. And that's why the left wing in this country absolutely hates Tucker Carlson. And he's been the subject of boycotts and attacks by media matters and other left wing organizations for years now. But he brings in a huge audience. And the Murdoch boys have decided that, uh, you know, they're going to take the heat and keep him on. But last night when I went over to watch the five and you'd hit uh, hit play, it wouldn't play. Now, you could go on any other show on their platform and hit play and it would play immediately. So, you know, I thought that was odd, uh, but I waited. And then after the show ended at six o'clock, I was able to find it in my recordings uh, if you're not familiar, YouTube TV also has sort of a DVR. Um, and I was, was able to play it, which is actually a more enjoyable experience anyway, because you can fast forward through the commercials. But I thought that was kind of odd. And then uh, it, as 8 o'clock rolled around and I went to watch Tucker and it happened again. And I just wondered if anybody uh, else listening to this show is experiencing the same uh, anomaly let's give them a credit this is a technical glitch I don't believe it is And I think that what's going on here is Google is now extending uh, their efforts to to uh, discourage or block certain content with which they disagree politically from from getting a platform in the lead up to the 2016 presidential election these social media, and even uh, even the cable news shows uh, made the mistake of not taking Donald Trump seriously and because he brought in huge ratings and a big audience lots of clicks on social media uh they they went ahead and put him on and uh, they played his rallies and his interviews and and on Facebook in particular they allowed Brad Parscale uh, the media director in 2016. Now the campaign chairman to, uh, to get his message, Trump's message out on that platform. I think they've learned their lesson, uh, now, and I don't think that they're going to allow that, uh, uh, to happen again. And I suspect that what I'm experiencing on YouTube TV is Google's, uh, concerted effort to try to limit, uh, Voices that support the President and the America first agenda, you know most people um, presented with what I dealt with last night would have given up and just gone and watched something else and and you know um, YouTube does that already. I had a a pretty active YouTube channel until they decided to demonetize and eliminate voices from the right side of the political spectrum. And now I get hardly any views. The only way you can find me on YouTube is if you go directly to my site. It's not um, subject to any uh, search results. It won't be um, advanced or forwarded with their algorithms. That's why I've moved over to some alternate media sites uh, like BitChute and Minds and Gab and others but this is a real threat you know there's nothing more powerful than the flow of information and we have allowed uh some uh, just a, a handful of actors facebook google uh twitter youtube to take control of the flow of information and we don't even know how deeply and how determined they are in downranking and shadow banning and and censoring content that doesn't fit in with the left-wing worldview of these tech titans. And it's gotten to the point where they've got a, a monopoly on the flow of information. I know there's four of them, but they they each have a monopoly on different aspects of the flow of information. And together, because they all share the same left-wing worldview are are liable to uh, be the uh, the greatest threat to the future of this country that we have ever seen. Now there's talk in in Washington and it's been just talk to this point there's been no hard action taken to try to do something about this. But these these actors have got such monopoly and so much money that they're able to go in and purchase Uh, the votes of our elected representatives and protect their monopolies to the point where now you are even paying an indirect tax through because of legislation in Washington, DC, you are through your internet service provider paying a indirect tax directly to Google and Netflix. I hadn't mentioned Netflix up until now, but Netflix has a huge portion of the streaming traffic on the internet, probably account for the number one, uh, user of bandwidth on the internet. And because of a law they passed a couple of years ago, these internet service providers are required to collect a fee from their subscribers, you and I, and transfer that money directly to Google and Netflix. Google and Netflix are actually named in the legislation as being the recipients of these, uh, these user fees, It's just another form of tax that your ISP collects and sends directly to Google to the tune of hundreds of billions of dollars. And the problem is not that these companies are private or that they have a political point of view and that they uh, they censor because uh, they are private businesses and it would be a direct violation of everything this country stands for to try to tell them how to run their business. The problem is we've allowed them to have a monopoly. And the antitrust office in Washington, D.C. has been dormant for a very long time now. When they are supposed to make sure that they are protecting a free marketplace and competition, they have uh, taken a hands-off approach to social media and allowed just a very few handfuls of these tech oligarchs to take control of the flow of information. If we were conducting ourselves as we have traditionally done, we would have made sure that they don't use anti-competitive practices, which they most certainly have done. Anytime there is a rise of a, a company or a, a, a business practice that threatens these tech oligarchs monopolies, they go in and buy them up and they can do that because you know, they've got they've got the huge uh, resources to do it. And it's really no longer necessary. You know, there's been a lot of talk about, well, uh, these social media providers are a public utility. They're not a public utility. They're not publicly owned. The government can't tell them what to do, but what the government can do is set up an infrastructure just like they do with, uh, with your power line or your, uh, your water or sewer. They can set up an infrastructure that, Content providers can access in order to make sure that there's a fair playing field, and I think at that, that at this point, information is just as necessary to this new economy and to a an informed electorate as any public utility. But there there are what they call decentralized social media networks that are available online that we could avail ourselves of that would prevent any one player from having a lock on uh, on the content that you and I are able to access. These decentralized networks uh, sort of aggregate um, all of the flow of information into one uh, giant screen uh, stream that's available to everybody. There are some decentralized networks already set up, but even those are... Uh, held by you know uh, tech Titans over in uh, San Francisco in the Silicon Valley. and they uh, they're trying their best to figure out a way to censor dissident voices off of their platforms as well. And while uh, the the people who say that they represent you and I, the more conservative right- wing uh, electorate in Washington, have done absolutely nothing, to to keep these tech oligarchs from getting a stranglehold on the flow of information there are just a handful of of politicians that recognize the danger this is to the the future of this country and even to western civilization and are trying to do something about it josh Hawley is introduced to bill he's a senator from missouri of course and i hope will be president of the united states one day because he really has adopted an America first worldview down to his bones. If you listen to him, his uh, his speeches and and his uh, and watch his legislation in the Senate, you will see that he really does. He's a true believer. But he's introduced a bill uh, that would remove the tech titans, the social media um, oligarchs. It would remove their protection from liability. What they've got is the best of both worlds right now. They've, they they can't be sued for anything that appears on their network or for anything that they censor off of their network. While at the same time, uh, they, they are allowed to uh, determine what you and I can see. You can't have it both ways. Either you're going to have... Of freedom from liability, or you're going to have um, freedom to editorialize on these platforms, but you can't have both. I've got a clip here. This is from a guy named James Toop, T-U-L-P, Tulp, I guess it's pronounced, like tulip without the I. He's a congressional candidate from the 3rd District in Mississippi. It's kind of a long clip. Uh, let's see. It goes... Almost three minutes, but here's what he has to say on this tech censorship.
1: So today I want to talk to you about an issue that is one of the most important issues facing our nation and it's an issue that I'm really the only candidate in this race who's even willing to address. The issue that I'm talking about is big tech censorship of conservative and republican voices on social media whether it be Google, Facebook or Twitter. There was you may recall there was a behavioral psychologist who testified before Congress a few months ago, who said that Google alone could give up to 16 million votes to their favored candidate in
0: 2020.
1: And it wouldn't cost them a dime and there would be no paper trail. Google has way too much power and influence over the flow of information and over... People's political and ideological beliefs. In many ways, they they have more power than any group of people that's ever been assembled. I mean, they can literally change the definition of words. Google can alter how history is interpreted, and they can alter how political views, political parties, and individual politicians are viewed. I think that's way more power than any group of people, public or private, should have. This is why I support Senator Josh Hawley's Ending Support for Internet Censorship Act. Essentially, what it would do is it would subject the big tech corporations, not talking about small or medium size, talking about the Facebooks, the Googles, and the Twitters of the world, subject them to an external audit that would make sure that their algorithms are politically neutral, which I think we can all agree should be. If they do not, they would lose their section 230 immunity. Their section 230 immunity essentially allows the big tech companies to have their cake and eat it too. It's a special carve out given to them by the federal government, probably uh, in exchange for all of the campaign contributions that they make that I do not take. And essentially what it does is it allows them to exercise editorial control over their content, meaning if they don't like what you post, say you're a conservative, say you're for the Second Amendment, say you're pro life, they can just take it off and kick you off their platform. But at the same time, they cannot be held accountable for libel. So, again, under the Ending Support for Internet Censorship Act, which I will support and author the House version of it, uh, my first day in office, I'll at least sign on as a co sponsor my first day in office. Uh, the Ending Support for Internet Censorship Act is something that we need to support. It's something that a new generation of conservatives, of Republicans, really need to sort of understand and lead the way in. We're not getting that right now.
0: Well, we are not getting that right now. And I like that. We've got candidates that are finally starting to address us. We need to support them and we need to start asking, uh, our candidates in Congress, both in the house and the Senate, what they're going to do about the tech monopolies, um, stranglehold on the flow of information and their censorship of conservative voices. But, you know, uh, James Tolpe mentions there that he wants an audit of of their algorithms to see if they're suppressing conservative voices. I don't think we can allow Washington to be in charge of that uh, because that will make it you know subject just to political infighting. What we've got to do is break up these monopolies. They have no right uh, you know, to these monopolistic practices. They're they're uh, blatantly anti-competitive and they should be subject to antitrust laws. And, uh, and we need to start uh, seriously thinking about putting together a uh, a network, um, sort of like a public utility, that allows all the competitors to have fair access to the market, and just protect the First Amendment right to freedom of speech. We got to run out to a break. When we come back, we're going to take a look at what happened on the markets yesterday. It was another bloodbath. Stick with us. We'll be right back.
2: That's
0: 800-957-6209. Well, they're already calling it Black Monday. There was a, just a brutal day on Wall Street yesterday, and the S&P 500 was down by about 7.5 points, a little over 7.5 points. And the same uh, market collapse was reflected in the Dow Industrials and the NASDAQ as well. And, you know, you, you, if, if you've got a long-term outlook and you're in the market, th- these are good days. These are not times to be disappointed because uh, it has a great opportunity to buy low so that one day you can sell high. But what happened yesterday is the market's already in sort of, uh, you know, caught up in this coronavirus panic, which I don't think is going to be um, anything long-term to worry about. But at the same time that was happening, uh, sort of an unexpected event reared its head. And that is a price war on oil between Saudi Arabia and Russia. Russia is not a member of OPEC, but uh, they, are, they are what's called the plus in some, uh, some organization called OPEC Plus now. And, uh, uh, and Saudi Arabia was pushing to cut back production. In order to uh, to prop up prices, doing doing their uh, their little cartel uh, practices that have served them so well until the United States became energy independent, and Russia refused to go along. I've got a uh, a report here from Reuters on exactly what happened there.
2: Oil prices crashed on Monday after Saudi Arabia kicked off a price war with Russia. The free fall threw financial markets into chaos. Massive discounts from Saudi saw oil prices collapse by as much as 30 percent, the biggest percentage drop since 1991 at the start of the Gulf War. On Sunday, Saudi slashed its export prices and pledged to unleash its pent-up supply of oil onto the financial markets. It's attempting to punish Russia after OPEC failed to agree on cuts to oil production last Friday. It would have been an attempt to fight prices falling from shock over the coronavirus.
0: So this can have a real uh, rebound effect against American producers because they're talking about the price of a a barrel of Brent crude going down to the 20s, uh, as low as $25, which will have the effect of putting a lot of these uh, shale oil producers. Shale oil is more expensive to produce, obviously, than... uh, than the uh, fracking uh, oil that has been so successful, but it is a a big part of our energy independence and it is going to make it uh, economically unfeasible uh, to continue shale oil production. Nobody really knows how long this will last. Russia is already saying that they can hold out at these price levels for six to 10 years because they've got a more diverse uh, economy than Saudi Arabia only 35% of Russia's economy relies on oil revenues. 87% of Saudi Arabia's economy is dependent on that. At the same time, Russia has a lot more people to feed than Saudi Arabia, so it's going to be in both their best interests to get past this. The only question is how. We're going to run out to a break. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about what happened on Wall Street yesterday, and then we'll get into the Upcoming Democrat primary, where old Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden are facing each other in a big contest coming up in Michigan. Stick with us. We'll be right back after these messages on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network.
3: As you make plans this season, consider convenient COVID 19 testing from Quest. Get the same test hospitals use without a doctor visit. Simply order online, select from drive through or at-home options, and get the results sent securely to your phone or computer. It's a great fit for your busy life. With over 20 million COVID-19 tests processed, you can count on Quest. So order your test today at questcovid19.com. That's questcovid19.com.
1: If you have thyroid eye disease... And the bags under your eyes are looking more like purses. It might be time to discover another treatment option.
2: To learn more, visit TreatMyTed.com. That's TreatMyTed.com.
0: And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo 5.0 Radio Network. Your Daily Journal of News, Politics, and Culture from an America first perspective. Well radical leftists inside the Democrat Party are waging a war on law and order supporting sanctuary cities, open borders, and the elimination of so-called cash bail. And George Soros has funded dozens of district attorneys candidates across this nation that refuse to enforce property and drug laws. The result of this movement has predictably been the breakdown of law and order as criminals are returned to the streets and adapt to the new rules. You can view videos online where robbery gangs are looting stores knowing they won't be prosecuted for theft below $950, and career criminals are allowed back on the street pending trial or repeating the crimes they committed only to be released again. To talk about this, we're joined now by Ken W. Good. He's a lawyer and is on the board of directors of the Professional Bail Bondsman of Texas, and he's author of "Goods on Bail: The Definitive Guide on Bail Bondsmen. Ken, thanks for joining us.
3: Well, thank you for having me.
0: So, you know, when I when I saw you were coming up as a guest, I was reminded of uh, something on the campaign trail recently.
2: What business are you in, sir? The mailbox business. Oh, Bud, Whoa, that's that's good. Do you know, Hunter Biden. Do you know Sleepy Joe? <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, this is serious. This is a serious topic. I I, uh, I want to get back to it. So I know that uh, you've been visited there in Texas, of all places, especially in Harris County, the home of Houston, Texas, by this. Uh, movement to abolish bail bondsmen and one of these Soros-funded uh, district attorneys has uh, has won there. What has been the result uh, of these uh, practices in Texas?
3: It's been utter utter an utter failure. You know, it's been uh, creation of chaos. Uh, the best example I can give you is uh, just look at their numbers of pending cases. Uh, the courts. The misdemeanor courts have had their cases, you know, double in the in the last year. And if they were to do that again in another year, you know, criminal justice would just shut down. Uh, it's it's just, you know, and and what we're finding is when somebody fails to show up for court, you know, their case gets put on hold, and they're still arresting people. And so it's just logical that that would slow down and muck up the system. And but but suppose but suddenly it's a oh my gosh. We never know that this was going to happen. Uh, it's because we have activists setting policy and not the people who are experts in the area-setting policy.
0: Well, I think these results were perfectly predictable, and, uh, and you know, law-and-order advocates and, and uh, lifelong district attorneys uh, had predicted that this would happen. They're in Harris County. Uh, are they ab- abolishing cash bail, or have they taken the discretion entirely away from the judge? To set a, a level of bail at a certain um, amount that they can keep career criminals off the streets?
3: All misdemeanors currently, except for seven carve outs, never see a magistrate and they receive a PR bond at an arbitrary hundred dollar, hundred dollar arbitrary amount. Uh, they never see a magistrate, like I said, and they're just released. And as long as it's on, that list, I mean, it's not on the carve-outs. They never see a magistrate, no matter how many times they're rearrested. The Texas Office of Court Administration has come out and said they oppose any other county in Texas opposing uh, adopting this model because it's just not working. you got people that show up or don't show up. The case gets put on hold. When they finally do come, they get another PR bond. Then they don't show up. It's just a vicious cycle, and they keep getting arrested for new charges and they never see a magistrate because it's not on the uh, list of carve-outs.
0: It sounds as like long the as si- they
3: just stay on this list.
0: I was going to say it sounds like the system would collapse under that regime pretty quickly. You know, the definition of a misdemeanor is something that um, the penalty for which is uh, less than a year in jail. And uh, I think it's uh, in, in my ho- old home state of Georgia was a $5,000 fine. But uh those charges include quite a few uh, uh violent um you know charges as well as uh theft and property crime and drug use and a lot of things that really result uh in the collapse of law and order if you continue to turn a blind eye to it what are some of the uh, the charges there in Texas that would fall under the definition of a misdemeanor
3: well uh DWI DWI second Assault family violence, uh, certain thefts. I mean, we've got really bad examples. We've got a gentleman named Alex Guajardo, who actually got a PR bond for a DWI second within a month, got another PR bond uh, for assault family violence, and they issued a protective order for his wife. Within two days, he killed her and their unborn child. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if he, you know, the judges should have seen this escalation of of him on, on what he was doing, that he was showing a pattern of, of committing more and more crime. I mean, this should have been preventable or was preventable. It wouldn't have happened under the old
0: system. Well, you know, the the effect uh, it has is, is it relieves uh, the criminal justice system for, from the responsibility, or at least uh, eliminates the responsibility from the court system uh, from guaranteeing or responsibility of public safety. And if you don't see a judge, and a judge never has to sign off on it, the system's on autopilot, and, and these kind of things are bound to happen.
3: Yes, completely predictable too. I mean, it, it. I mean, anybody in the system would predict that that was what that would be what would the result. Uh, you know, we had in Harris County, these reforms were not pushed by a legislature or anybody; they were pushed by a lawsuit, and the existing judges who were all uh, in office opposed. Uh, the settlement and they were uh, happy to give them procedure which is what the cases were saying and they were winning the, the, the federal lawsuit but the problem is there was an election They uh, all new judges were elected saying that they would agree to a, any settlement the plaintiffs wanted and so they were tired of spending $8 million in attorney's fees and so now they've agreed to spend $100 million to fund these proposals that even the federal court said were uh, a lot more than she could have ever given in a trial, but because it's a settlement, they can agree to all these things, which in effect just changed the law in Texas.
0: So, was it a, a judge that imposed this consent decree, or uh, who was the defendant?
3: Well, it was the, a plaintiff, you know, a, a, a group of attorneys representing some plaintiffs who said they were could not get out of jail in a misdemeanor, but suing the judges. And then the sitting judges got replaced in an election, and the new ones came in and said they would settle. And they came in and gave the plaintiffs everything they wanted, and uh, they presented the settlement to the trial court for approval. And she agreed to it, or she author was well, she approved the settlement. She said it wasn't her place to get into whether the settlement complied or violated Texas law. It, her job was just it, you know to approve uh, the settlement that they had entered into so it's just a rubber
0: stamp well harris county texas houston texas is also home to this uh, soros funded district attorney that's uh made a uh policy decision that he's not going to enforce property crimes theft robbery um of i think in texas it's 750 dollars so criminals now know that they're not going to get prosecuted for uh shoplifting as long as they keep the the amount below a, uh, a certain level uh has has this is is there some connection between this soros funded district attorney and and what's happening with the the cash bail um case?
3: Well, the, uh, the the district the district attorney that you're specifically talking about is in Dallas County and he, uh,
0: My bad. and
3: that is a separate situation, but the Harris County DA, originally, when she was elected, Kim Ogg, she originally supported, uh, the, the reforms, but even she has gotten to the point where she even thinks that they've gone way too far and they violate Texas law. And so at the end of that case, when they were doing their final settlement, she came out in opposition to that settlement. Uh, so she, while she was in favor of some reforms, she thought that they went way too far. And Dallas, what you're seeing there is a a case of where uh, there was a Soros-supported DA, and he has gone way too far. He's caught. He's received a lot of flack from it, and and pushback. But you know, he's one year into a four-year term, and um, he's holding tough on his decision not to prosecute certain property crimes. And it's just exactly exactly like you
0: pointed out. Well, it seems to me that Texas is probably the worst state you could possibly, uh, you know, put in policies that would allow people to uh, steal from merchants and and private citizens uh, without, you know, taking uh, oppressing charges against them. Have there been any uh, instances of people taking the law into their own hand in order to protect their property?
3: That's a good point. I mean, Texas is a castle doctrine state. And so, I mean, the ultimate irony is that if someone breaks into your house and steals a small amount of stuff, they wouldn't be prosecuted. But if you're at home and you feel threatened and you shoot them and kill them, you wouldn't be able to be prosecuted either. Although I would, I would, I would speculate that these same prosecutors would try to find some way to prosecute because they want to send a message. But that can't be done. But the problem is, Texas is clearly a castle doctrine state, and and you're allowed, you know, in some states you you would be required to drag them over over back into your house if they ran, but in Texas you don't have that. If if someone's robbing your house and running running away with the TV, you could shoot shoot them, and you have the ability, you know, the right in Texas to defend your property, uh, even to that extent. So it's just creating a terrible situation. You know, we've seen some of these other Soros
0: fund, we've seen some of these other Soros funded DAs use their office in order to uh, enforce an ideological point of view. Um, And you don't necessarily have to have a conviction uh, when you press charges against someone to punish them because you can break them financially and, and make them uh, drag them through the legal system so long that they have to settle even you know for a lesser offense. So if if you've got uh, a, a DA that's saying we're not going to enforce property crimes, I would I would not be surprised at all if they also use their office in order to uh, go after people uh, who don't agree with uh, with them politically.
3: I, I wouldn't be surprised either. But I, I think right now that what we're seeing is mostly uh, these crimes are, are focusing on businesses. And there's a significant pushback by the businesses because they're they're noticing. I mean, it hits their bottom line. They're already on small margins to begin with to be competitive, and so uh, there is significant pushback. And and you know, I've met with you know I met with the plants attorney in Harris County. And I was talking to him about the situation they were setting up, and I'm like, you don't realize that you're setting up a system that is doomed for failure because it will collapse on itself. And he he's like, you know what you're talking about. I'm like, uh, you you may run the current bondsman out of business. I'm hopeful that that's not true. But your system can't survive. And when you're long gone and these other activists are long gone and they've broken the system, we'll be the ones that will be left with law enforcement to put it back together into a working order. And that's the reality across the United States.
0: You know, the... The advocates for the abolition of of cash bond uh, argue that it's uh, undue burden on poor people and that uh, if you're rich, you can get away with murder because you can always make bond. But that's not necessarily the case. The old system gave wide discretion to judges to set the bond at a level that would either allow the uh, defendant to return to the streets uh, under threat of losing the bond if he didn't show up for court, but it wasn't strictly to make sure that they sh- showed up to court. It's it allowed the judge to keep some set to set the bond at such a high level that uh, they would not be able to make it. And, and therefore the judge could protect public safety. Um, do the, uh, do the advocates for this abolition of bail bonds do not understand that, or do they just not care?
3: I, I don't think they understand it because, you know, the biggest uh, advocate in Harris County keeps saying, exactly what you were saying. It's all about fairness. It's all about fairness. And and we want a system that's fair, but the biggest problem in our largest counties, our largest municipalities is how do you process a large group of people through the jail efficiently and cost effectively and without creating chaos or further crimes. And that system as a byproduct of that has to be fair to the poor and should not mistreat the poor. And what. The 11th Circuit has addressed if you have a bail schedule, and uh, while it may not be uh, as quickly for people who are claiming poverty because they can't afford the amount of the bail schedule, within 48 hours they get a hearing and their status gets elevated and they get special treatment. And so they found that that was a proper system and it, it, it was not unfair to the poor. And so but when you're focusing only on fairness, and you're not looking at the bigger picture, then it becomes, well, how do you process large groups of people to the jail? And what we're looking at in New York and Harris County is they never see a magistrate, they're just released, and that's a recipe for disaster, and that can't continue.
0: You know, Ken, I was a private investigator for about 20 years. I started out with the Pinkerton Agency. I've had a lot of dealings with bondsmen over the years. They're a colorful lot of characters, and in the time we've got left, I just wondered if you... (laughs) if you had any good stories about, uh, about bell bondsman and, and, uh, and what goes on there in Texas?
3: Well, you know, I do say that once you, you get a bunch of, and you, uh, you have a lot of hot air. Uh, <laughs> but I would say that, uh, these are some of the nicest people you've ever met. Uh, if they give you your word, most of the time you can swear by it. Uh, Many of them are second generation bondsmen, third generation bondsmen. In my uh, professional life, these, these businesses become you know gone from being mom and pop shops that when the dad dies nobody knows how to run the bell business, to being a to being a true small business that employs uh, people in the community, and uh, they you know we do you know one thing and we do it really well. We get people to go to court. And uh, we get we provide more supervision than uh, the government can afford to provide. They have to check in with us. If they can't get to court, we go get them because we have incentives. We will take them to court. Uh, We, (laughs) we uh, check in with them. We, we now have apps where they have to check in on their app and it gives us a GPS of where their location is. So we'll know where they are when they're checking in. And so for, you know, Our friends on the other side don't think that the bonds really do anything, uh, that we just take people's money. No, the reason why we have such a great success rate is we provide the highest level of supervision that's available today. The government can't provide that level of supervision because they just can't. They don't have the incentive. They have the manpower, and they don't have 200 years or, or more experience in doing it like we do.
0: Well so, don't don't laws in certain states actually give bondsmen more latitude with regard to uh, protecting constitutional rights than law enforcement uh, has uh, when you sign a a bond don't you uh, sign over the right for the bondsman to enter your home without uh without further permission
3: not in Texas Not in Texas I mean they can they can give you they can give the right to have to be rearrested but the problem is in Texas a bondsman does not have the right to serve a warrant. That can only be served by law enforcement or, like you uh, were, a private investigator. So the bondsman could hire a private investigator to go serve the warrant, but the bondsman or a recovery agent, but the bondsman himself cannot do that in Texas. So,
0: Interesting. In Georgia, you you would have to have been appointed by the judge in order to uh, to execute a warrant. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't written into the law. The judge could specially appoint you. Um, you know, by the court to to go out and bring somebody in, but you'd have to go through a hearing for that.
3: Well, I think most in most situations, I think the bondsmen just go find out where they are, and then they call either uh, a constable or or a, law enforcement, and they get them to come and serve the warrant. So I think in in most situations, it's just we go find them, and then we report uh, we make a call to law enforcement to come and serve the warrant, uh, so that, uh, because they can't do it and in situations when we get into those higher bonds, then we'll hire, uh, they will hire recovery agents, private investigators, uh, to, to bring our lost children back home.
0: (laughs) Ken W. Good is author of goods on bail, the definitive guide for bail Bondsmen. He's a, a lawyer in private practice there in Tyler, Texas, Ken, do you want to give out your website and uh, any other information that you'd like to uh, pass on to the listeners?
3: Sure. If you, uh, if you want to find out more information about uh, bail reform, you can go to pbtx, uh, com, which is the Professional Bonds for the Texas website. Or if you want to just find more information about me, you can go to my, uh, my law firm's website, uh, thegoodlawfirm.net, uh, and uh, we will continue to uh, educate people on these issues. Uh, there are things that work on Bell Reform. I've written several articles. One on what successful Bell Reform looks like, and we uh, we can all always work to improve the system.
0: Where would the listeners Most find that article, Ken?
3: If you go to the blog on um, on pbtx uh, there, there there'll be a link to what successful Bell Reform looks like. Good deal. Uh, I mean, really, you got it I mean, there are things that we can do. Common sense things that we can do to, to get more people to go to court. And the reforms that are being pushed with just releasing people are not any of, of the things that make bail
0: reform successful. Ken, thanks for joining us. Keep up the good work.
3: Hey, thank you very much for having me.
2: If you are trying to quit drinking or doing too many drugs, listen to me. You don't know me and we'll never meet. They'll immerse you into a 30-day program to replace your old habits with new habits and totally change your life. And if you have PPO, private health insurance, the entire program may be covered. Fix your problem right now before it gets any worse. Get clean. Call now and learn more. 800-957-6209. 800-957-6209. 800-957-6209. That's 800-957-6209.
0: So when you watch these cable channels and you see them uh, covering the coronavirus and what it's doing to the stock market and now... This oil price war that's broken out between Russia and China, you can't help but to sense that they're kind of celebrating. They kind of think that this is uh, going to be their deliverance from the uh, evil orange man that occupies the White House. And, uh, and they're doing their best to you know, try to create uh, panic over this, uh, this oil war. And it occurs to me that, you know, many of these people are the same ones that think we ought to do away with fossil fuels and are supporting the Green New Deal. And and, and both of these candidates, Biden and Bernie Sanders, are promising to do that. Uh, just eliminate fossil fuels altogether. And if you think that what we're experiencing now, you know, with these market fluctuations is bad, can you just imagine the kind of damage that Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden's plans to end all oil exploration would do they would absolutely wreck this economy and <laughs> as a secondary benefit wreck our ability to stay warm and uh and be able to travel freely it's uh it's almost it's almost unbelievable how naive and uh fantastical these these Green New Deal plans are, and there's really no proof that any of it's going to do any good. Last week we had a uh, a volcanic eruption. It's a major volcanic eruption. I can't remember exactly where it happened, but it was uh, on par with um, you know Mount St Helens or something like that. In the first 24 hours of that volcanic eruption, that volcano spewed more carbon than all of the automobiles since uh, the beginning of the industrial age in 24 hours, but we're all supposed to worry about, uh, you know, carbon in the air and, uh, eliminate our ability to travel freely. Oh, you can just use electric cars, Jim. You, you actually hear him saying that, oh, we'll just, we'll just go to electric. Only problem is of course, anybody with half a brain knows that that power that runs the Electric car has got to be generated somewhere and it's going to be generated mostly in this country through natural gas. You know, something occurred to me yesterday um, while you're watching the continued mental deterioration of Joe Biden. I remembered uh, not that long ago, they were, they were making claims that Donald Trump, because he sort of rambles on in his speech patterns and, uh, and is sometimes unfocused, they were saying that Donald, something was wrong with Donald Trump's brain, that he had uh, some sort of cognitive uh, disability. And they were demanding that he release his uh, his physical. And as part of that physical that was released by his uh, the White House uh, doctor, White House physician, uh, Ronnie Jackson, he did release the results of a cognitive exam that showed that not only was he... Uh, perfectly uh, healthy in the brain department. He actually scored quite well on it, uh, well above uh, average. I think he said he got 29 out of 31 of these uh, cognitive ability questions correctly. Well, now we're learning uh, that Joe Biden has released his physical summary, but guess what? It did not include, it didn't include any results of the cognitive functioning test, not that his doctors didn't perform one. we're learning now that they did perform one. they just omitted the results from it. Surprise, surprise. I uh, was dipping into Sean Hannity yesterday and he was he was pointing out something that I pointed out on this show for months now, and that is that uh, you know when Ronald Reagan was running. For office and especially during his second term against Walter Mondale, they were making age a big issue that Ronald Reagan was too old to be president because he would at that time have been uh, the oldest president to serve in that office. Ronald Reagan was younger when he left office after serving two terms than either Bernie Sanders or Joe Biden is right now. He was younger coming out of office than Joe or Bernie will be going into office. Here, Here's a here's another one of these gas just to satisfy the people who love to uh, hear these Joe Biden gas. This is a real doozy.
1: You get a tax break for a racehorse. Why in God's name couldn't we provide an $8,000 tax credit for everybody who has child care costs? It would put... It would put seven hundred and twenty million back million women back in the workforce.
0: What? He's gonna put seven hundred and twenty million women, American women back in the workforce (laughs) It's over twice the US population. I I wonder how many of those seven hundred and twenty million were included in that hundred and fifty million that were killed in gun violence. You know, if if you're able to talk and listen to yourself at the same time when even if it was a, a gaffe, by the time you said 720 million women back in the workforce, it would occur to you, oh, that, that can't be right. What is the real number? And correct yourself. But he doesn't. He just goes on. And even the, you know, the Democrats are starting to wonder uh, if Joe Biden is going to be able to get across the line by the time the election comes around. But they're not at all interested in, uh, in the age of these men because uh, they're Democrats, and it's, a, it's always a double standard. If the Democrats didn't have double standards, they would have no standards at all. Well, that takes us to the end of this edition of Right Now with Jim Dawes. I want to thank you for joining us and invite you back here again tomorrow for another edition of Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five Zero Radio Network. We'll talk to you then.